Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from the book of Colossians, Colossians, the first chapter, and I'll be reading verses 15 through 20, uh, Paul's uh, description of Jesus to that church. I invite you to follow along. Paul writes this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One uh, cold wintry day some children put a top hat on a snowman and in a spell of christmas magic he came to life dim the lights take a look look the hat's back let's see if it'll make frosty alive again birthday! Hey, I said my first words, but, but snowmen can't talk. <laughs> All right, come on now, what's the joke? Could, could I really be alive? I mean, I can make words, I can move, I can juggle, I can sweep, I can count to ten. One, two, three, four, Five, nine, six, eight. Uh, well, I can count to five. <laughs> what do you know? I'm even ticklish. In fact, I'm all living. I am alive. What a neat thing to happen to a nice guy like me. That must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found. Oh, when they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. Frosty the snowman was alive as he could be. And the children say he could laugh and play just the same as you and me. Would you stand for the Benedict? No, just kidding. <laughs> so, by the video, this was no uh, ordinary snowman. He looked like a snowman, he felt to the touch like a snowman, he even melted like a snowman. But this snowman was different. And Frosty the snowman showed those children the time of their lives. With Frosty, their sleds slid further than they'd ever slid before. With Frosty, they could play all day long outside and never get cold. With Frosty, shopping was more fun than it ever was with mom and dad. Thumpity thump thump, thumpity thump thump, look at Frosty go. Thumpity thump thump, thumpity thump thump, over the hills of snow. Well, Jack Rollins and Steve Nelson wrote the song 
Frosty the Snowman back in 1950 after the hit single Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer sold over 2 million copies. And then in 1969, Frosty the Snowman became that 22-minute children's television classic that we enjoy watching every year. The question I have for you is this. What can Frosty the Snowman teach us about the true meaning of Christmas? Throughout this month and in this season of Advent, we've been asking the same question about some of those other uh, Christmas classics. What do the Grinch, Rudolph, and now Frosty have to do with the Christian's celebration of the holiday? How we answer this question helps us to better understand the culture in which we live. How we answer this question gives us the opportunity to engage with friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors in conversations about what Christmas means to us as followers of Jesus Christ. Next week, as you heard me say, we're going to have our choir's Christmas cantata and what promises to be an hour of just wonderful music. On Christmas Eve, we will look at good old Charlie Brown at 7 and 11 in this room. And then on Christmas Day, we're going to take a look at one of the more recent classics, Christmas Vacation. (laughs) Now, just out of curiosity alone, that should be enough to get you out of bed that morning and come to worship. Today, though, we're looking at that famous snowman. Now, at first glance, it doesn't seem like Frosty the Snowman has anything to teach us about the story that is related about Christmas in the Bible. In fact, with the exception of Santa Claus, who just sort of curiously shows up at the end of the show, there doesn't seem to be any connection, really, with Christmas. There's no mention of Jesus. There's no shepherds. There's no angels. There's no wise men. There's no presents. There's no... Christmas tree decorating, there's none of that. According to Robert Battistini, former English professor at Franklin and Marshall College, Frosty the Snowman, he says, tells us about as much about the pagan roots of our Christmas celebrations as it does about anything else. In fact, for example, the ancient pagans celebrated the winter solstice, which happens to be on December 25th. And all this was to serve as a reminder that the fear of starving to death in the cold would also bring the hope of being saved by the coming warmth of spring and vegetation coming back. Now, one connection to Frosty could be in that young girl, Karen, and the near-death experience she has from the bitter cold in the North Pole, and then her finding safe refuge in the warmth of a greenhouse. But friends, I think there are deeper themes that pulsate through this funny little story about a snowman who comes to life that point us to the central message of the theme of who Jesus Christ really is. And so I want to invite you to join me as we're going to be taking a look at Matthew's gospel today. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Once again, I invite you to follow along. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. 
But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. And now, God, as we look at your word this morning, we pray it might come to life leap off the page and into our lives, filling us with Christmas joy and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. We ask it in his holy name. Amen. Well, like Frosty, we know that the disciples hung out with Jesus, who looked like a real man, ate like a real man, talked like a real man, slept like a real man. But the disciples believed that this was no ordinary man. And you just heard me read in Matthew's gospel that Jesus came as Emmanuel, which is the heart of the Christmas message. God came to life in the God-man Jesus. Now, the early church sort of struggled to understand this complex mystery in trying to acknowledge and square away both the divinity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. And so there was a group of people who said, oh, well, Jesus was a very fine man, a a, a good moral teacher. He, He was an exalted man, maybe even an exalted angel. Or Jesus was this subordinate deity, like vice president in charge of operations for the entire world. And we have in our Nicene Creed from our Presbyterian Church's Book of Confessions says Jesus is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. What that means is worthy of the adoration of the shepherds, worthy of the message from the angels, worthy of receiving expensive gifts from the Magi, worthy of the martyred deaths of early Christians, worthy of our being here this morning and singing our Christmas carols. And so at Christmas, we, you and me, we fall at the feet of Jesus and acknowledge him as Emmanuel, Messiah, Savior, and Lord. I guess another way of saying it is that we believe that Jesus is the autobiography of God in human flesh and blood. That's what you heard me read earlier when the Apostle Paul shared in Colossians. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Back in 2018, I went with other members of this church on a mission trip to Houston, Texas, six months after Hurricane Harvey. And we got to meet people who lost their homes and all of their personal belongings. I shouldn't have to tell you that their needs were obvious and overwhelming. And they told us what it was like to walk amidst the rubble of their demolished cars, their their ruined furniture, their their washed out appliances, torn pictures, broken knickknacks and keepsakes, and this devastated house where they used to live. 
And the one thing that these people all had in common was that they had nothing to hide. You know, on Sunday mornings, in churches everywhere, we have so many places we can hide. We can hide behind our status, our reputations, our riches, our possessions, our our polite smiles, our, our comfortable distances. And yet you know and I know, we are homeless until we find our home in thee. And if you think about it, just like the children did with Frosty, we too can experience the intimacy and power in Jesus Christ because the coming of Jesus Christ deepens his connection with us as his followers. Because of the incarnation, which is just a fancy word for Christmas, Jesus becomes more involved with his people and intricately entwined with us as as followers of him. Here's here's an example. In um, Steven Spielberg's movie, one of his lesser-known movies, Inner Space, Dennis Quaid stars as an astronaut in a space command module. Now, instead of getting blasted into outer space, in a super-secret military experiment, he gets miniaturized. And then through a series of madcap adventures, he gets injected into the body of the local assistant manager of a Safeway supermarket played by Martin Short. This is a deeply profound movie. (laughs) The humor of the movie is how two very different people learn to inhabit the same body. Well, in a way, that's what the incarnation was like. Jesus did not get blasted into outer space. He was sent into our inner space, which he shares with us moment by moment. Jesus said, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And when Jesus came down, so did his power, and it spread beyond all the boundaries, so that wherever we go, he is Emmanuel, God, with us. When we're in the emergency room at LGH when we're stuck behind a buggy on our way home from work, whether we're in the classroom or the boardroom or our living room, Jesus is with us. Even in the incredible complexities of dealing with our children. Come April, I'm going to be a grandfather for the very first time. Now, my son Tim and his wife Amanda, who live in Charlotte, North Carolina, have chosen a rather a-traditional approach to childbirth. It's called a water birth that happens in the home. No doctors, no nurses, no hospital, no anesthesia, just a midwife. I need to tell you that their decision to have a baby in this unique way will be very good for my prayer life. Someone has said there are three ways to get things done. Do it yourself, hire someone else to do it, or forbid your child from doing it. (laughs) Thank God for Christmas, because at Christmas, we have the power of God, which we need in our lives. So let me ask you a question. If you knew that you had this power available to you and that you could not fail, 
What dream would you dream for your life this Christmas and next year? If you could erase fear as a factor in your life, what dream would you dream for your family or for this church? If you knew that the promises of God were true, what godly risks would you take? Just remember this. God does not make promises that he doesn't keep. So step out in faith and expect that God will be there. Expect that God will be there for you this Christmas and beyond. So as I close, I want you to remember that uh, in the Frosty the Snowman story, Karen could not survive the bitter cold temperatures of the North Pole. And so they have to build a fire. The fire helps, but only for just a little while. And then finally, as I said earlier, Frosty and Karen find safe refuge in the warmth of a greenhouse. But the only way that Frosty can deliver Karen to that safe, life-giving space is to sacrifice his own life. You see, friends, the story of Jesus doesn't end with the miraculous incarnation that we celebrate this month at Christmas. God's incarnation in Jesus Christ was not only spectacular, but it was also purposeful. Sin strangles the life out of you and me. That the bitter cold of our poor choices, our flat-out rebellion, or the wrong that others have done to us, that, that robs us of our lives a little bit each and every day. And it's for all that that Jesus died on a cross. And that's why the best news of all is the promise we get when it says that Mary will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this is the blessed hope that believers have in Jesus Christ. And so we're not just talking about a melting snowman. We're talking about the God of the universe. You see, this man named Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. He has the power to change lives. He has the power to transform our lives from the inside out. He has the power to strengthen us for the challenges that we will invariably face each and every day. David uh, Peterson is the retired former senior pastor at the Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church in Houston, Texas. He tells the time that he was working on one of his sermons when his little daughter, Angie, ran in and said, Daddy, can I give you a hug? Like any compulsive preacher, and I can certainly relate to this, David Peterson said back to his daughter, no, honey, you're going to have to wait until I finish working on my sermon. So Angie, disappointed, turned around and started to walk out of the room. She got to the door when she suddenly did a 180, and then she ran back towards her dad and gave him what he called a chiropractic hug. <laughs> and David Peterson said to his daughter, he said, honey, I thought you were going to wait until I finished working on my sermon. And little Angie looked up and said, I know, Daddy. I just wanted you to know what you have to look forward to. <laughs> Friends, you and I have so much to look forward to. Because Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, is coming to be with us and for us, to dwell among us 
and, and to save us. Glory be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Almighty God, as Emmanuel, you go with us up every peak and down into every valley. When we walk through times of uncertainty and difficulty, you promise to come especially close to us and to be as near to us as our own breathing. We pray that today would be the day when some of us move from being just fans to being followers. When, when we go from just admiring Jesus Christ to falling on our knees and worshiping him as God's only son. May we slip off our doubts and leave them right here in the pews and rise up free of that burden to enjoy a new day of hope and peace and joy in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, O God, that as Christians, we need not be afraid because you're already out there busily arranging the circumstances of our lives in such a way that we can grow and grow to be more and more like Jesus Christ. As you came for us and to be with us, change our hearts, O God, and may we be more and more like you. To the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray all these things. Amen.